Now, we must all fear evil men. But there is another kind of evil which we must fear most. And that is the indifference of good men. This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast Channel. This is Random Thoughts number 11. Which will be... You can't be guilted if you don't allow yourself to be guilted. The reason I'm doing this particular random thought is... Um, sometimes I get my inspirations. Uh, some of my inspirations are, have been thoughts that I've been thinking about for a long time. Others are just things that have come up recently that I feel like I should talk about. And so what this the reason I'm doing this episode is I was speaking to a set of a contest, a friend of mine, and we were talking about how, especially the younger generation, uh, younger generations, I should say, the millennials and the Zoomers, have been brought up with peer pressure. You know, oh, well... You know, you gotta you gotta do what we're doing, or or you're a jerk, you're an a hole, uh, you're a bad person, blah blah blah. And as for myself, I'm a Gen Xer, and I'm not gonna say that um everybody in my generation grew up um fighting this kind of thinking where. You fear ridicule so badly that you'll go along with the crowd, or at least if you're if you're making a stand against a particular uh, issue, let's just say mutilating children or gay marriage or um, uh, pick your pick your unpopular topic, which is. Which is uh, right, but according to today, to today society, um, no, it's 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 wrong. It's bad. It's it's evil. Um. So just pick whatever subject that that goes against um, what's popular. Or at least, as I've said in previous podcasts, even if you're against it, but you keep your mouth shut, it's assented to. You know, you're literally indifferent to it. I mean, you may not personally be indifferent to it, but if you're not speaking out against it, if you're not fighting it, you're you're literally assenting to it. That's 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 God's law. Don't get mad at me, get mad at God. And as I said, 
I'm not going to speak for other Gen Xers like myself. What I will say, however, is, is that when I was growing up, it was always pounded in my head. You know, one of the favorite expressions of the older generations to me was, well, if your buddies jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge, would you do it? You know, which is is pretty simple and it's a pretty easy concept to grasp. And another thing that I had grown up with was the fact that um, let me let me let me do this. Let me think real carefully here. Okay, so peer pressure has always been around. Peer pressure has always been around for a long time. And when I was, uh, when I was coming up as a kid, you know, younger people, you know, being, being young and immature, often criticize you, you know, oh, well, you're ugly or you're stupid or, you know, pick your adjective, negative adjective. And, you know, when I would complain about these things, I was always told, well, if, if, if you know that this, this, this is wrong, it's, you know, it's not correct. Why are you allowing it to affect you? And, you know, I, I actually took that to heart. Um, because well, it, it just, it makes sense. It makes sense. You know, if you get denounced, By, you know, the interwebs, if you get denounced by them, or if you get denounced by your relatives, or if you get denounced by your friends, if, if you know that you're standing up for what's right or true, whatever you're being accused of should not stop you from fighting against that idea, whatever the wrong or evil idea might be. It should never stop you from that. And one of the, what inspired me to do this podcast today, and I do realize I've mentioned it tangentially through other episodes, but what, what uh, put it in my mind to do this episode today was one of my favorite podcasters who I follow on Twitter was talking about, you know, oh, they guilt you. They guilt you. Now, I'd heard variations of this argument before I started getting serious about my Catholicism. And because my own life was such a mess, it never fully hit home to me. I mean, in a vague way, 
I understood that this this uh, complaint was not good, but I couldn't articulate it. My reply to that particular post was, you cannot be guilted if you do not allow yourself to be guilted. And I've noticed amongst, you know, the millennials and the Zoomers in particular, but once again, I'm not, I'm not, um, excusing my own generation for this because I'm sure, you know, people being people, there are plenty of Xers who went along with peer pressure, who went along and allowed themselves to be guilted into doing something or tacitly supporting something that they knew to be wrong. And honestly speaking, if we have a good understanding of human nature, it's not just the last three generations that have been this way. It's been every generation. You're, you're going to get um, people who, instead of standing on a principle, and I'm going to get into this a little bit, would rather just shut up and tacitly not say anything, even though they know what's going on, is evil. And from the secular realm, the two best examples I could give, three, actually, the fascist party in Italy, the Nazi party in Germany, and the um, communist revolution, Russia, China, Vietnam, anywhere where communism has been. And you could even go beyond that. And you could go to the uh, French Revolution. And honestly speaking, the American Revolution. It really, really sets my teeth on edge when I hear a Sedvacantist priest who will say, well, modern ideas began with the French Revolution. No, they didn't. I, I will pound this until the Lord takes me home or whatever to my judgment. The American revolutionaries and the French revolutionaries were joined at the hip. They shared ideas. They, they you know, and, you know, for, for you boomer set of for you exer, older exer set of who thinks that, um, our government solved all that. You need to read Freemasonry Unmasked by Monsignor George Dillon. As I said previously, he does not come out and denounce the American Revolution directly. However, <coughs> in the Masonic writings, he quotes the... Um, the liberalism that they're espousing is the liberalism expounded in the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. And he, not just him, but a lot of traditional Catholics of the 19th century, you know, were denouncing liberalism. Well, even the American history books admit that our founding was on quote-unquote liberal principles. But it just sets my teeth on edge when they do that. Because 
at the root. Whenever you hear uh, based in red pill said of a contest who's denouncing the French Revolution, but not the American Revolution, which came first, at the base of it is sentimentality. At the base of it, it's sentimentality. Because basically what you're saying is, well, I love my country. I love its founding. And uh, I, I, I just can't cr- give an honest criticism against it because I'm an American and I love my country. That's sentimentality. That, that falls into the air of my country, right or wrong. Which ironically enough, was denounced during the 60s, during the Vietnam War, by American liberals. Because you had a, uh, some conservatives in America who used to run around and say, my country right or wrong. Now, obviously when the liberals were con- uh, criticizing these conservatives, they had their own agenda for doing it. But as I never get tired of saying, even a dirty degenerate liberal will say a truth either without knowing that they said a truth or um, they say it with ulterior motives. But the concept is the same. They are speaking the truth. And this, you know, this, oh, well, we can't criticize our founding. We can't criticize our founders is... The sentimentality. And maybe, maybe in the future, I will do an episode on how sentimentality in your relationship, your personal relationship with God is dangerous. Because if you're sentimental about the things, the the secular things of this world... And once again, I'm not saying you shouldn't love your country or or your fellow citizens. But what I am saying is, is you should not love them to the extent where you're defending the indefensible. I don't know how to make it any clearer than that. Okay. Anyhow, (laughs) that's one of my, my biggest weaknesses as a podcaster is I'll start on a particular topic and as as I get ideas, I'll start talking about them. But I got to deal with my own um, weaknesses as they are. Because, it, you know, God made me this way. So I just have to deal with it. The reason I'm talking about peer pressure and why you should reject it is because... Peer pressure is part of the tactics that our culture and society, and like I said, this is not a new phenomenon. This has been going on for centuries to to basically, if they can't get you, if they can't get you to outwardly support whatever vileness and evilness that they're trying to project, they they will try to silence you either through uh, physical or social intimidation or um, you know uh, basically 
using, um, you know, if they can get to your relatives and your friends, using them as a wedge between you and them to get you to shut up and, and tacitly support it, even though you know it's wrong. And this message is very, very important. And you, like anything else, you have to live your principles. And principles are important. Tangentially, I have mentioned the importance of principles, but tangentially. And for those of you who don't know, because I do realize uh, I've been told I have a five-cent vocabulary, tangentially just means in passing. I, I mentioned these things in passing, but I, I don't give them the attention that they probably deserve. If you have no principles, you'll assent to anything. That's the bottom line. That's why, you know, um, the Masonic Satanists have written, spilled uh, tons of ink on, who, why did the average German become a Nazi? You know, without asking the same question of, well, why did the average Russian become a communist? And if they weren't an out-and-out -out communist, they... They kept their mouth shut. Part of that was through physical intimidation, at least in the case of Russia, China, and whatever communist country we're talking about. Because if, 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 if you literally spoke out, if you were lucky, you got sent to a prison camp, a hard labor camp, which may or may not be a death sentence, or at the very at the very worst, they would just haul you into the uh, secret police station and put a bullet in the back of your skull. Now, if you, if you have no belief in God, it's going to be very easily to, to intimidate you. Because your life, you know, your relatives, your uh, spouse, your kids... Those are going to be the most important things of your life. And if they, if they can threaten, and, and here's a scenario that I've often read about in books. Let's just say in communist Russia, a guy was, was absolutely unbending in his denouncing of communism. And they said, uh, the, the communist KGB goons said, well, if you don't, if you don't tow our line, we're going to shoot you. And the guy would say, go pound sand. I don't care. Well, the KGB ain't stupid. So they would try another tack, which ran along these lines. Well, okay, comrade, you're a brave and hearty soul. You, you can get killed. And, you know, we respect that. But don't you have a wife and kids? Uh, don't you have a brother, a crippled brother? Don't you have elderly parents? And I'm just going to put it to you bluntly. I don't care how hardcore you are in your personal life without 
a solid relationship with God, you're going to cave. You know, it was a favorite expression back in the day that everybody caves. Now, it was an oversimplification for the, uh, for some part, but for present time and era, that is pretty much true. That most people, if they do not have a, a, a intense love of God, there's going to be something in their life that can be used against them. No matter how principled they try to be, when, they, when, when that certain weakness in their principles gets threatened, they're going to cave. Um, so that's, you know, that's part of it. That's, that's part of the tactics they use. And while we're on the subject of totalitarianism, and I may do a deeper dive into this subject, I keep trying to tell the right wing, the based in red pilled right wing, that totalitarianism does not brook dissent. I've made mention of this through I ad nauseum through several of my episodes. You can move, in the case of America, you could move into deepest, darkest Idaho, Colorado, Montana, whatever, but once once the powers that be that run this country find out that that you're you're not doing what they want, they're gonna come for you. I mean, and I think the reason why a lot of people miss this point is because they've never read about the nature of totalitarian regimes. Um, the, the people that are part of totalitarian regimes, and I've made mention of the book 1984, the quote from that, George Orwell, and by the way, George Orwell was a former socialist who fought in the Spanish Civil War on the side of the socialists. And I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on the history of it, but the socialists and the communists during that war fought against each other at one point until the communists overcame them. But when he says, you know, they want... They want your uncritical acceptance of what they're doing. Two plus two equals five. And we're going to torture you until you assent to that. That What they're trying to do is make themselves the God of this earth. Now, in the early 20th century, it was confined to a certain country. Germany, Russia, China, Vietnam, you know, pick Pick your regime. But what I keep trying to tell people is now they're trying to make this into a worldwide system. And like any, I'm going to call it a pseudo-religion because that's what it is. A real religion um, 
the real religion is pre-Vatican II Catholicism. So anything else is a pseudo-religion. But in all pseudo-religions, you know, if you do not assent to their truth, if they have the means and the power, they are either going to put as much pressure on you to get you to consent, and if they can't do that, they're going to literally kill you. That is the bottom line. This was another aspect that I wanted to talk about. And to my knowledge, I have never talked about this aspect. There's a certain type of individual, and I don't care what kind of system we're talking about, that is most dangerous to a totalitarian regime. And that is a person who has an unbending, uncompromising love of God and principles based upon God's true laws and teachings and is willing to denounce all to follow God and lives in simplicity. In other words, a person with nothing to lose, you can't hold anything over their heads. If a person has nothing to lose, if they're living on the bare basis of society, you can't threaten them with anything. Oh, we're going to take your microwave. Go ahead. Oh, we're going to take away your laptop. Go ahead. You literally, there's nothing you can, and if, if they're single or, you know, heaven forbid, there's, they're, they're estranged from their family, you can't threaten them that way either. Oh, we're going to put your, put your sister to death. Well, she hasn't spoken to me in 20 years. Go ahead. And there have been cases where, uh, enemies of Catholicism, true Catholicism, have threatened to put a loved one of a person to death. And they've said, well, you can go ahead and do that. Um, I, I would rather see them die than for have them to assent to your evil. But these, these type of people are very, very deadly because they can't be pressured and they can't be bent to the will of the regime. They can't. And I, I don't know how many atheists and agnostics listen. Um, given the nature of this podcast, I don't think it's very many. The reason why the, the true Catholic Church teaches teaches poverty, chastity, and obedience 
to its to its religious, you know, monks, nuns, priests, bishops, whatever, is because all throughout all its existence, all its enemies has tried by any means necessary to pressure regular Catholics into going along with their vile and evil agendas. And the reason why they stress these aspects is in the case of, say, monks or nuns, they've, they've, what makes the, the reason why Catholics hold monks and nuns in such high regard is these are people who have literally rejected the world and moved into a small community where they don't have any possessions, they don't have, um, they're not married, they, you know, and as far as their relatives are concerned, they do love their relatives, but they've given up relations with them in order to serve Jesus Christ and his blessed mother better. And then they have a, a, a vow of obedience to their superiors, which if you understand Catholic doctrine, means that they have a total and complete obedience to God himself. So that's why, say, like in the French Revolution or during the Protestant Revolution, the first thing they go after is the priests and monks. Because by their example... They're, they're telling you or they're showing you that, hey, you don't have to go along with the program. You don't have to go along with the program. And that's the first thing that totalitarian regimes do is they take anybody who either uh, by their life or their example may be or not maybe they, they, they will absolutely be um, a beacon of virtue and if they can't discredit the person personally then they're going to either try to uh, torture the person into going along or they're going to kill them they're just going to disappear them Now, I do realize probably a lot of my listeners may or may not have wives, girlfriends, family members, or whatever. That's why I'm stressing a relationship with God. There's nothing wrong with having a family. I mean, you know, use your common sense, people. Um, if, if, if Catholicism was all about celibacy and detachment from the world, there would be no uh, Catholic church, you know. And since, at least in Europe, you had Christendom, which was Catholic church, you wouldn't have had Christendom either because no, everybody would be living in a monastery not having babies. So there's nothing inherently wrong with, you know, families and stuff. But without God, 
you're going to attach too much emphasis on the love of your spouse, the love of your kids, the love of your family, your creature comforts. You know, even in little things. You know, let's just say a uh, secret policeman comes to your door and says, hey, you know, I've noticed you've been saying such and such. Well, it would be a shame if we were to shut down your bank account, make you lose your job. Um, and if you continue to do what you're doing, maybe, maybe we might just arrest your family and torture them. It's as old as Satan himself, who, you know, this, this, this whole idea comes from, ultimately. That is why I gave the episode on Satan and God are not abstractions. They're not. They're real. And you have to pick a side. You're either on God's side or you're on Satan's side. There is no... Uh, standing in the middle. Oh, and one other thing I wanted to um, go back to. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned the American Revolution. I ran into an interesting statistic. The accuracy may not be perfect, but the general principle is very instructive. What was written was one-third of the American population at the time of the American Revolution were revolutionaries. One-third were loyalists. And as I never get tired of saying, there was no good side in the American Revolution. Uh, King George was a Protestant at best, but he had... it is a matter of historical record that his, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, his court was filled with Masons. His, uh, the, the British Parliament was filled with Masons. And then, as I said before, the American revolutionaries were joined at the hip with the French revolutionaries. And... The French Revolution started shortly after the American Revolution. And both had Masonic liberal ideas. So there were, you know, there was no good side. As I never get tired of saying, it was basically two factions of Masonry fighting each other. But you had the third in the middle. And this is how it always... Read about any revolution period, in the last 300 years. And it'll show you the same thing. It's that middle middle third. It's the middle third. And I'm not... Uh, the American Revolution is, is, is not my strongest historical understanding. But my understanding is is that the the revolutionaries in America basically used the power of coercion, peer pressure, and threats to keep 
the middle third who didn't didn't want to be liberals and they didn't want to be part of the British colony into what, as I said earlier, um, uh, tacit supporters. They might not have supported them, the American revolutionaries, visibly, but because they'd been threatened, coerced, and um, socially pressured, they kept their mouth shut, which uh, I'm going to say this to the day I die, Silence is consent. You know, I know there's a lot of red-pilled and base right-wingers out there. Oh, silence is consent. That's that's a leftist concept. Um, the leftists may use the concept, but it's actually a godly principle. If you keep silent in the face of evil, you're giving your tacit support. Period. So, if you do not want to be Let me let me back up just a hair. There 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 has been an expression and I don't know where this expression came from where somebody said the worst thing that you could ever see is the loss of innocence in a person and the loss of their own soul. Now, given, given the times we live in, loss of innocence, unless that person is an unknown saint and is, was born with um, being friends of, of uh, Jesus Christ and his blessed mother, I, I'm afraid that loss of innocence is part of life. However, because we do have free will, we do have the free will to allow, um, to try, with God's help, to temper how much innocence we do lose. But the loss of soul, to make things as simple as I can, the loss of your soul is when you start defending the indefensible or staying silence in the face of obvious evils. I think this is a good place to end. If you've listened to this, I I really, I, I can't express enough the gratitude that I have that you, that you gave me your time. Because time is our most precious commodity. And... I just hope and pray that you get something out of this episode and not just any, uh, not just this episode in particular, but if you decide to listen to previous episodes, that, that is my, my sincerest prayer and hope that all of the episodes that I put out in some way and somehow are informative 
and and at least give you th food for thought. Um, I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. I pray for everyone that is in my life, whether it's directly or indirectly. And when I say indirectly, I mean through my podcasts or whatever, uh, my social media. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. Bye-bye.